The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. The stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. It may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony, his co-hosts, and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 68 of Squawk Ident, recorded on the 18th of January, 2020, from the Aviator Sound Studios from somewhere in Southern California. On this episode of Squawk Ident, Rob D. and I discuss his recent 737 MAX training. We also discuss a new FAA Order 2150.3C, which places special emphasis on enforcement programs through March 30th of 2021. We will also discuss how a 36-year-old man lived at the Chicago O'Hare Airport for over three months before he was finally detained by police. There are a few incidents in the news about 737s that we're going to hit on, and we'll explore an aviator from the past as we celebrate Cornelia Clark Fort and her contributions to aviation. All this and more on this, the 68th episode of the Squawk Ident Podcast. Now that our pre-flight is complete, let's get ready to push off the gate, start up our virtual podcast engines, and get ready for takeoff. Squawk Ident episode 68 is officially underway. First off, I want to say thank you for all the support we've received from all of our fantastic listeners. I can't tell you how happy I've been producing this podcast. I know Rob and Roger both have really enjoyed spending this time talking about aviation and this this wonderful profession that we have such a great passion for and I especially want to say thank you we received a thank you card recently uh you know rob and, and roger and i were very fortunate to be on a zoom conference call with the willow run riveters it's an organization there a women in aviation chapter in uh, michigan and i recently got a card in the mail saying hey thanks for being on we really appreciate it and hope to see you again uh in the future and Wow, that, that's such a nice thing to get, you know, in the mail. Uh, we also want to say thank you. Uh, episode 67 was a pretty good hit. Uh, we got a lot of positive feedback there. That was the one entitled Don't Be That Guy. And we we had a very good discussion about Jetpack Man. And I've been on the lookout, but uh, I haven't really been flying that much. And we're going to talk a little bit about that here as the show begins. But first, let me start off by introducing a man who really needs no introduction. 
He's a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a boat skipper, a commercial drone operator, and currently a 737 pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. From his Fortress of Isolation, where he just returned from some 737 MAX training, please help me in welcoming to the show from somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, Mr. Rob D. Rob, how the heck are you? What up? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty damn good, man. Um, you just Ready had... Ready to get this started. You just had <laughs> 737 MAX training today. Today. Showtime was 6.30 in the morning. Ouch. I was about two cups of coffee into it before I uh, st- uh, stepped into the classroom. So I needed all the caffeine I could get to get uh, my day started because uh, we were in for about an hour, half a br- hour, half of briefings before we jumped in the simulator and uh, got trained up on the, uh, on the max. So yeah, yeah, it was an exciting morning. Uh, it's been a long day, but um, and that's kind of cool say, when you live in base and yeah. home of the training center, you can just drive into the training. You don't yeah. have to deal with flying in the night before and yep. checking in a hotel and all that stuff. Yeah, it was nice. So we, we, um, I guess the way, the way they, uh, they lined this training session up was they actually had, um, four pilots. So they had oh. two captains and two first officers. And the second we walked into the room, you know, we basically did our meet and greets and then figured out, okay, who lives where, who has to commute. Um, and if you're, you have to commute, you're going first so that you can try to get the first flight out of there. Oh, cool. And, uh, yeah. So me and one of the, me and one of the captains, fortunately are from the the Dallas area. Mm. So, you know, we said, Hey, we'll just, we'll take the late session and you guys go in first and hopefully uh, you guys can get your, uh, get your commute flights out of here and get home to your families as soon as possible. So yeah, that went really good. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's involved with, cause I know you just had recurrent training recently. We talked about right. that on a previous show. Um, yep. and you had to come back to do your seven thirty seven. Is it a, an AD you were telling me, uh, what, how does that work? Yeah. So this training is part of the airworthiness directive implemented by the FAA mm. to recertify the Boeing 737 MAX. So as part of the recertification process, all the pilots that fly the airplane have to go through this training course that I just participated in um, to not only recertify the airplane, but to recertify the airmen that fly the airplane and the Czech airmen, obviously, um, so that the airplane can be flown in revenue service. Uh-huh. So um, it's a, uh, it, 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 it's a, uh, it, it includes a home-based stu- um, what do we call it CBT computer-based training mm-hmm. um, course, which uh, really takes only about an hour and a half to go through. Um, and it, basically um, gives you the overview of the uh, problem that the Max had, which caused the two accidents uh, a couple of years ago, which ground ended up, you know, which ultimately the FAA ended up grounding the airpl- aircraft for mm-hmm. and what the fix was to, uh, to remedy the, si- the situation and um, 
get the airplane back in the air safely. Yeah. Like all the other airplanes are. So, um, the computer-based training, uh, as long, uh, computer-based training and the, uh, the simulator and ground school portion was what was required to meet the, uh, uh, the AD and get us back in the air. Okay. So now you have a, uh, when you look at your qualifications on the computer, uh, it says in there, you are max qualified now. So now if you're scheduled to fly a flight that has a max operating it, you're good to go. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, so so qual- is this going to create, <laughs> is this going to create kind of like a bottleneck for pilots since you're one of the first ones to, to get this training? Does that mean that you can anticipate doing a lot of that max flying? Is that how that works? Or is it just kind of, well, I'm not too sure about that. The, um, I, I listened to uh, one of our uh, leaders talk about that. Actually, there was a question in one in another forum, um, that was asked about pretty much the same question. You know, how much, how many pilots, um, out of the uh, 737 fleet have been trained on the max. And the answer was, um, you know, re- remarkably, 50% of us are already trained. Already? Um, wow. Already. Um, and the, um, you know, most of the max flying as it is today is being flown um, on the East Coast uh, between wow. New York and Miami. Mm-hmm. So unless, you know, an, an outside uh, pilot like Dallas base, you know, for me, were to go through Miami and actually work a trip from Miami to, let's say, LaGuardia, um, there is a good chance that I may be on working one of those max flights. I see. So, um, and also I think some pretty exciting news is we, we had 24 airplanes, mm-hmm. um, and as soon as the max was recertified, we actually took delivery of 10 more aircraft. So now we have 34 max aircraft. Oh, that's good. Um, so we have a lot more of those to fly around. Yeah. Um, and I, th- and I believe we're also, we're, we're, they're not all in service as of now, but they're, uh, slowly, um, placing them in revenue service, um, as the schedule allows, you know, obviously for <laughs> obvious reasons, yeah. they just want to, uh, put the plane where, where it's going to benefit the system. Yeah. And, uh, and all that stuff. So yeah, it's pretty exciting news to have 34, you know, in the, in the fleet. I think that's yeah. pretty close to the most airplane, most 730s. I think it is the most 737s um, out of all the uh, airlines flying. Yeah. And do you know, does, uh, I know that there are some other carriers out there that also fly the max uh, Southwest being one of them. Uh, have Southwest, they returned yep. those to service over there too, or are they still waiting for their training to go? Through? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I don't think they have. Um, however, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of going off a memory of what I've read in the past. And I don't believe they're going to start revenue service until next month. Okay. Um, that's just shooting off the hip, but I haven't, I don't, I don't know when, but I do know, you know, like you mentioned, they do have max aircraft. So, yeah. um, and I don't know who the other U S carrier is, um, that has them. Was I think it? it's United. I think United has some on, maybe on order. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that's something we probably should research, but, um, yeah. yeah. And they actually made headlines just, was it yesterday that yeah. they opened up a vacancy bid there? They have I a vacancy for both uh, first officers and captains, meaning new hires yeah. for yeah. first officers that's, and upgrades for, for captains. So that's a pretty, you know, ahead of the game there in terms of yeah. uh, growth, because we're still in kind of that cone of not really. <laughs> 
knowing for sure what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that cone of confusion after yeah. March of uh, 2021, because that's when, you know, some of the stimulus is supposed to run out and we're supposed to March, April timeframe, yeah. maybe even into May, depending on how this all turns up. Um, but, uh, you know, there's also yeah. articles out there that I read in the recent days indicating that there are signs that the rebound, as we've been exactly. talking about this rubber band effect, that people are yep. going to be like, I'm sick and tired of being in my house with my wife yeah. and kids. We're going on vacation. And, and, and exactly. who knows? I'm going by myself. Who knows? I'm pretty sure the airlines, um, you know, they keep close track of all this stuff. And, you know, I think they're seeing future bookings, um, which is obviously the sign of people, uh, of, of, you know, people wanting to travel, pent up demand for travel. Yeah. Um, I think they're seeing that future bookings are, are, uh, are trending upwards. And so, um, you know, I believe that, you know, companies like Legacy and United and, you know, even Delta and Southwest, they all want to make sure that they have their... Um, crews all trained up and ready to go. Um, mm -hmm. because if demand does come back, um, in a, in a rapid fashion, they don't want to be left. Um, yeah. you know, they don't want to be behind that, that curve there because, uh, that's revenue <laughs> that's desperately needed. Um, that's going to be left on the table and possibly revenue that other airlines can pick up. So, yeah. um, and which, you know, I, I along those lines in this discussion, I don't think, um, our, I don't think legacy will furlough from this again. Uh, I'm going to knock on a lot of wood right now because of that. Um, but you know, I think because of what we just talked about, you know, I really believe that, um, they, they really, really, um, are in a hard spot if they, if they choose to do that, uh, choose to furlough again, you know, first of all, they have to send out all the warn letters. Right. You know, and that's so, a process, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, 90 day process for some states. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we haven't had that yet. So there's some relief. I mean, obviously we just got the, the money. So um, that goes to like what we say, March 31st. I think Mar April. Yeah. April 1st is like when April 1st it runs is, out. Is, yeah. March 31st. So, so yeah. I mean, well, this is all great news. Um, yeah, sure. And, is. and we're, you know, we're just sitting here kind of speculating on sure. what we're seeing as trending in, in the reactions from some of the other mainline yeah. carriers out there. Even some yeah. of the regional carriers have started to ramp yeah. up hiring. I saw and that there the was flight attendants, uh -huh, flight attendants yep. being hired right now. Some of the yep. wholly owned regionals, which is so great. If, yeah. So if you're working on your ratings out there and you're listening to the podcast, just keep plugging away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this, like we talked about before, this will pass. And it looks like, you know, just from, <laughs> from an early uh, standpoint here with our foggy crystal ball, <laughs> things are starting to turn around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They <laughs> so really want to make sure you, you, uh, you're, you're well on your way to, uh, to the career path, uh, of, of, you know, in the airlines and you want, you want to make sure you don't want to be starting now. I mean, I mean, if you have to start now, you're going to start now, but, um, if you have already started, don't stop, keep plugging yeah. away. And if you're thinking about starting, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Keep it going. Yeah. Yep. And for those listeners that are watching clips on YouTube, we do appreciate it. We do put um, some clips up on YouTube on some of the more uh, like the highlights of the show. Uh, it does take a little while for me to, you know, after I upload the podcast to come back and then redo the same thing with the video and upload it on, yeah. on YouTube. But uh, 
if you're watching on YouTube, behind Rob, he's got on his background there a pretty cool looking airplane. It's got a HUD there on the captain's side. It's, Check that out. Yeah. And did you take that in the simulator really today? Really big or? screens. Yeah, I did. When As soon as I walked in, uh, it looked like a great photo opportunity. Um, everything was all powered up. So I took my iPad out and snapped a couple photos. And uh, the result is the picture that we have behind me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful airplane. I mean, it looks um, very similar to um, to a you know obviously a seven thirty seven, but the screens are the exact same screens that they have in a seven eighty seven. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. so they're they're the same. They're uh, yep. So there's four screens right there. There's one that's you know it's almost like a sixteen by nine aspect ratio. Um, so there's four of them going across the panel there, as opposed to the, you know, the seven, the traditional 737, they have six screens. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're able to combine them all onto here. I, I think these are, I don't even know. I think they're LCD screens, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah. So the, the refresh rate is a lot faster and better. Yep. So they're easier on the eye and a lot easier know, the, to see the, in, in the, the clarity daytime. On them is, yep. Yeah. It's, it's super, they're super nice. So yeah. It's real. It's a really nice um, presentation. Everything is very similar um, from the NG, um, and that's what makes it. Um, a, you know, that's why we have a, the the same type certification for it. Uh-huh. Um, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that are different on it, which which made it obviously um, which gave Boeing a problem. And um, one of the things was obviously which caused the at the accident was the uh, stall, the speed, uh, sorry, the MCAS system, mm-hmm. MCAS, which is a maneuvering characteristic, characteristics augmentation system. So it's a mouthful of words. Basically, it's a stall, basically it's a, it's a stall, stall prevention system. Yeah. Um, and it's a subsystem. So it's, it's not even its own thing. It's a, it's a smaller system incorporated in a bigger system. And basically all it does, what the problem was in the past with the, uh, with the previous accidents was this, this, uh, the MCAS was only receiving inputs from one sensor, one AOA sensor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you're getting into aviation or if you've been in aviation, you know that there's a lot of redundancy built into these airplanes. So why were they only using one? <laughs> we have no I clue. Um, everything is two, three, four, five of everything. <laughs> now, did Legacy so, Airlines always have the the option that they had two AOAs? Always had giving, two. So, so in, in America, yeah. I don't think any U.S. carrier right. Uh, right. was using the cheaper option which was the the mcas system was retaining the information from angle of attack uh, from only one indicator that was an option that some of the european or the asian or you know non-us carriers you're correct were using so the odds of this happening in the u.s even before all of this happening over the past two years uh was was very unlikely However, right. there were errors in the system and in the cert- certification process that were corrected. So yeah. we're going from a relatively safe operation because of the redundant system that was already in place to now yep. an even safer so, operation, way safer. you know? Yeah. And so, 
yeah, I, I just for the yeah. general public, we get questions like this all the time. Even yeah. when on my aircraft, sometimes people get on my aircraft. It's an Airbus. Yep. Okay, it says Airbus right at the front door as passengers <laughs> are lo coming onto the airplane and, and loading, and they still will stop and go. This isn't a seven thirty seven Max, is it? I'm like, <laughs> no, right. this is this is Airbus from France, <laughs> France, <laughs> France. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. So even yeah. even though they're on a completely different airplane, they still are concerned about it, and are really. Yeah. You know, Rob's been saying this quite a while, and and I've been backing him up much much as I can, uh, not being a seven thirty seven pilot myself, but they're they're safe, safe airplanes. Um, yeah, sure. I, I got to tell you, I f I flew the seven thirty seven Max prior to all the accidents. I right. actually flew the Max um, when I entered um, the line flying with Legacy for IOE. Yeah, and I flew it a few times after that. I probably had about. You know, it's not a lot, but 25 hours under my belt in the max um, up until the time that they pulled them out of service. Yeah. And I got to tell you, um, it it is a great flying airplane. And, and it's it, it, even back then, the airplane was safe in the uh, in the particular configuration that that Legacy Airlines has there is like you were talking about the two AOAs mm -hmm. and everything like that. But I, I do want to mention that. Um, even though Legacy had the two AOAs option, mm -hmm. the MCAS was still only getting information from one AOA. Really? So even in our aircraft, if there was, you know, the problem with the MCA with the AOA indicator, um, it would still trigger the MCAS. Basically, it's a it, it's like a stabilizer trim runaway in the nose down position. Right. So we would be able to still defeat it. Um, and one of the thing that would have made our, given us a better chance of survival was that second AOA because that second AOA would have been given us true information and we would have been able to disregard what we were being alerted to on the, on one side of the airplane and concentrate on the good one uh -huh. and can still continue to fly the airplane. And that was part of the training today. So um, and, and to sum it up really quick in a nutshell, the fix for the airplane was software. It was all software. Huh. So linking the MCAS to the second AOA mm -hmm. was that part was that it's a software fix right there. <laughs> but also the other problem was that the, the, uh, the MCAS, whenever you entered that, that stall situation, the, what the MCAS was designed to do was to help uh, the aircraft's nose, uh, help, help the aircraft stall recovery by, by nudging the nose down with, mm -hmm. with trim, with, with stabilizer trim. So when you get to that high angle attack attitude and close, uh, when you get to stick shaker, what the MCAS does is it trims the nose of the airplane down using the stabilizer to help get, regain um, airflow over the wings. And then you're supposed to recover from there. Well, the old software was doing that, but then what would happen was, is if you exited the situation, it would reset itself. And then if you get back into the stall again, it would do it again uh -huh. and it would keep on doing it. <laughs> and eventually what these other crews got the sit, got themselves into was they had so much nose down trim from the MCAS and the system that they couldn't physically overcome it. Uh -huh. And they were not, there was so much going on that they couldn't, they, they didn't get to the, to the checklist fast enough to cut out the, uh, 
to cut out the system, mm-hmm. which was still, which you could done with the old airplane and the new one the same way by flipping two cutouts, which is, yep. so, and previous to those crashes, a couple other crews had that situation. They were able to, to, you know, trap the, trap the, the error and successfully land the airplane. So the plane had the problem before the accident and other crews were able to, to capture it. Oh, wrap it and land it. So that's not very popular out there, but that's what happened. Um, So what they did now is they, instead of the MCAS repeatedly adding that nose down trim, they only let it allow it to do once. And once it does it once, it doesn't do it anymore. Oh, okay. So that's nice. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you disconnect Um, it by how, how would you like, so let's say, let's say this happens to you, you're a 737 pilot and you're flying mm -hmm. a max and Mm -hmm. there's a, there's an error in the system where you're not going to stall event. However, it thinks it is. And so the MCAS activates, it starts to trim those down. You recognize that, Hey, wait a minute, why are we pitching over? And what's your immediate action? So immediately the, they, and so what they did is they implemented some, um, what they call, um, uh, rec- uh, immediate action items. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a memory item. So things you have to do immediately. So first thing they tell you is control wheel. You got to grasp the control wheel firmly. So you grasp the control column firmly. Second thing is you're going to disconnect the auto throttle and the autopilot at the same time. Okay. Third thing you're going to do is what you're going to naturally do is try to trim the, 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 uh, trim the airplane in the opposite direction of the nose of so right now you're going to feel a lot of nose down force and you want it to go up so you're going to try to trim the nose up so you're using the electronic trim a switch on your thumb on the yoke okay exactly so using electronic trim on on the on the on the yoke so when we have this this trim runaway or this mcas actuation the trim cuts it out the trim actually inhibits the mcas so now you you are now in control however as soon as you let it go it's going to want us to try to do it. Keep going. Okay. So, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mislead you down the wrong road in the training. They, they, they basically simulate that, Hey, something's even wrong with the software. Now it's going to keep going. Okay. So when you hit the trim and you let it go, it's going to want to keep going, not going to do it in a real airplane because the software has been fixed. Only do it once. But if for some reason a gremlin gets in there, some cup of soda or orange juice enters the computer and shorts it out. And for some reason that wheel just keeps going. Yeah. Reach down there and flip two cutout switches, which are basically, you know, on off contact switches. Yeah. Completely eliminates the system powers off the motor for the stabilizer. And now that stabilizer is not going anywhere electronically anymore. So now you have to go to the manual trim. Now we have a big manual trim, which is a wheel, which uh, you could kind of see it over my, what's this, my left shoulder. Yeah. On the center pedestal there. Yep. Yeah. It's got a little white band on. It's actually got a little, it's a, it's a black wheel with a white band. The knee burner. You can kind of see it there. (laughs) Yeah. The knee bangers. Yeah. (laughs) The knee bangers. Yeah, watch your knees. So that, I'm trimming. <laughs> that wheel is the manual trim wheel. Okay. So it's painted white so you can actually see it turning in the dark. So you get black and white stripes going. But also there's a little handle that sticks out mm. uh, right here on the side. Yeah. Most people don't know about that. So that's the handle we get to use today. So um, when when we... Oh, it's a perfect view too. I don't know, actually you can't see it. It's kind of dark, but yeah, they're right, right underneath Those... the throttle quadrant at the base of the center pedestal and the th- throttle quadrant. There's two toggle switches that are guarded, right? Yep. Those are the main, yep. which are the electric thumb mm-hmm. and the autopilot, 
stabilizer trim cutout switches. Oh, okay. So those are the switches that we have to flip to totally inhibit the system. Yeah. So once those, um, those switches are, are, um, are set to cut off, yep. which inhibits the system. Now we can manually trim the airplane like you do on a 172 or mm-hmm. a Piper <laughs> or anything like that. The only difference is this takes probably <laughs> for every one slower. turn of a Cessna, <laughs> it's about 10 turns on this thing. Oh, wow. And the other thing too is, which is very, very shocking is that it's very, very speed and load sensitive. So if you have a lot of load on the, on the elevator, or a lot of airspeed, mm-hmm. that wheel makes it it's really hard to turn. So uh-huh. we we ran the airplane up to 340 knots today with the uh, with a with just moderate um, you know nose up trim. And so we're like, okay, let's try to so let's hold straight and level. And it's hard because I'm like using probably a good 75, 80 pounds of force just to keep us level going 320. Wow. And we were barely out of trim. Yeah. And he's like, okay, now trim nose down on, on the, on the trim wheel. Uh-huh. And dude, that felt like you were turning another hundred pounds. You're like, Oh, you know, so we had to use two here. The captain had to do his side and I had to do my side and we had to do it at the same time. Wow. So, you know, the, obviously the fix for that is to unload it, let it do its thing trim, 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 and then, you know, fight it back again uh, or slow the airplane down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be good to go. But anyway, that's what, that was part of the training, um, to go through all those scenarios and run through the whole checklist and everything like that. So it was a pretty exciting simulator is a very, very, um, you learn so much today about the 737 max and, and the fix and everything. It it was great. You know, we, we just hand flew the airplane pretty much the whole time. Uh, We turned on the autopilot maybe two or three times Mm -hmm. just to see certain scenarios with the MCAS and, and how some things work. Um, But it was great. The whole time you're basically running your, your, your recall, we call them recall items, <laughs> your immediate action recall items. Yeah. Um, and, uh, hand flying your airplane and retrimming the airplane and making sure you're getting those cutout switches and running the checklist. Yeah. So, um, it's perfectly, you can handle this airplane. No problem. Yeah. Um, in, in the situation. So they gave us the exact situation that these, uh, these pilots were under, um, that had the crashes yeah. and, no it, 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 it was, it was, you no. Know, I wouldn't say it wasn't a problem, but it was definitely uh, manageable mm. uh, with proper training and which is what, that's the reason why we went through this. Yeah. Um, I got to say one thing though, <laughs> when the, uh, you know, the, the whole, um, the whole situation that these guys were in was pretty intense because, you know, with the, the, what happened was, is the, uh, the, 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 with the crash, both crashes, the Indonesia, and I think it was Lion Air. Lion Air. Um, they had the uh, one AOA vein was giving them erroneous indication. And so the AOA vein thought that the airplane was stalling. So that's what set off the MCAS to nose down trim on it. And since the airplane, since the uh, AOA vane thought the airplane was stalling, we have a stick shaker in the airplane. Mm-hmm. So that thing was going off the whole time on the side. Well, it'd be on this air, on this airplane on, on that side, <laughs> captain side. Okay. Captain side. Um, the stick shaker was going off the whole time and it never stopped. So you got to figure how long it takes for you to do a circuit pattern 
you go run through a checklist to reconfigure the airplane and land and get the airplane on the ground that whole time yeah. the airplane's stick shaker is going off man how and comfortable so it's loud it's distracting when you read your checklist you have to turn your personal volume up to 10 because it's so loud mm-hmm. um and you know we we even practice some of the private pilot private instrument um techniques uh that use when you have an instrument in front of you that's not working properly you want to ignore it so one of our things one of the things we did was we determined that the captain's pfd wasn't 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 was any good to us anymore yeah. so we turned the the brightness on his screen all the way down to just barely enough where you could at least just kind of get a night because the one thing that did work was the attitude indicator okay that was the only thing that worked because that that works on an on other other instruments uh, other sensors so um so we turned his side all the way down and the only thing we had was my screen and the standby <laughs> the standby instrument there mm-hmm. which was working perfectly fine so yeah um yeah still got the plane on the ground landed it yeah <laughs> exciting good stuff. way to spend a day in a simulator how many hours <laughs> were you in the sim yeah uh it wasn't that long it was only um an hour and a half so total between the two of us yeah so usually what we got about a four hour block you're doing good you're out of there in three three and a half hours right so yeah we we spent uh we had i think we actually had four hours to it um and so those guys went in first they they were about an hour and a half Mm -hmm. we were about an hour and a half so yeah we're about three hours total so it's kind of like a regular recurrent yeah yep yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm, thank you for sharing that with us. You've, yeah. you've raised a lot of uh, great discussion items <laughs> and answered a yeah. lot of questions. And, and thank you yeah. so much. You know, recently well, in the news, you were telling me uh, a little bit about an article that we were reading a while ago about, oh, 737 Max suffered an engine failure. This was, I believe, yeah. uh, an Air Canada flight um, yeah. not too long ago. Um, and it, we thought, well, what a great time to kind of talk about this. So, yeah. so we're looking at a flight global article that was released on the 25th of December and it's entitled air Canada, Boeing 737 max suffers an engine issue on a ferry flight. And uh, according to this article by Pilar Wolfsteller, the air Canada says that one of its reactivated Boeing 737 maxes experienced an engine issue during a repositioning flight or a repo flight, bringing renewed scrutiny to the type that just weeks after it was recertified or recertificated. Uh, following a 20-month grounding. A Montreal-based carrier says that on the 25th, the aircraft was on a non-revenue flight from a storage facility in Arizona, in uh, Marana Air Park in Arizona, to be exact. And We've all been the, there. Yeah. <laughs> the airline's home base in Montreal was what its destination was. There were three crew members on board, no other passengers, obviously. It's a repo flight. Shortly after takeoff, the pilots received an engine indication and... As part of normal operating procedures, in such situations, decided to shut down one of the engines. The airline tells Flight Global, the aircraft then diverted to Tucson, where it landed normally and remains. Well, Tucson is not very far from Marana. It's like yeah, not even ten minutes. So yeah, I think it's on the uh, I'm still underneath the or just outside the. Is it 30 mile veil, 20 mile veil of Tucson's Tucson? class uh, C yeah. airspace? I think it's 20 for yep. C. Yeah. But yeah. Don't quote me on that. It's been a while. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, they had an issue. Now, 
this could have been anything. Uh, you know, obviously it's not a, a, a stall issue. It was, it was an engine issue. And you park an airplane, especially one in the desert for a long period of time. All Sorry, kinds of 22.3 miles. I just did it on my handy dandy Jepson chart there. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, th- this happened. Um, and it it's, was not a big deal, obviously. They were, it was a repo flight and out of an abundance of precaution. Now, they didn't indicate what the indication was. It could have been anything from loyal pressure to, you know, anything. Um, right. Any of the items that the uh, checklist would then indicate land as soon as possible or practical. Um, so some of the uh, other 737 MAX carriers uh, were scheduled to bring it back online united i guess they're going to be bringing them back on the 11th of february and the all boeing carrier southwest airlines expects to have it flying in revenue service by march so that answers that question Um, i'll put a link in the show notes to the article but it was just an interesting article because this happened i remember when this happened back in december and oh boy you know it, it was recertified days before and something like this happens, that's not good publicity. However, it, as a pilot, you know that on a repo flight, you know, you, these kind of things, especially after parking an airplane for more than 30 days. It's, exactly. It's, Planes do not like to sit around. Uh, they, uh, if, if you ever owned a boat <laughs> or if you let your car sit around for weeks or months, yeah. um, you, you're going to have problems. But, you know, these airplanes, even when we I know that our planes were um, in a in a uh, what they termed short short term storage, mm-hmm. which meant that the uh, maintenance crews actually went out there every I think it was two or three days mm-hmm. and they actually exercised the airplane around. They actually started it up, exercised all the hydraulic systems, flaps. Uh, they may have done even taxis just to get the flat spots and keep the, the wheel grease and everything moving around. So these planes all went through a rigorous um, short-term storage um, maintenance regime. So when they uh, return to service, uh, you know, the less you'll find less gremlins in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I remember reading that company happen. email too. Uh, very, yeah. very interesting that, you know, kind of like those old cars when you had a carbureted engine yeah. before electronic fuel injection and all this yeah. cool stuff. When it, you actually had to roll down your window with the crank handle, like what? <laughs> what? what? Yes, yeah. I remember that. I had that when yeah. I was a kid. Um, you yeah. had to, you know, if you didn't start the car for a week, uh, odds are you'd probably flood it trying to start it, and then it wouldn't start, and you had to right. wait ten, fifteen yeah. minutes for can try yeah. again but yeah, yeah. Th- this this happens it's not yeah. an unusual thing so i, I really think yeah. this was a we didn't talk about it here on the show because it really yeah. was kind of a non-event but yeah and i gotta say hats off to the uh, tech ops folks all the aircraft um, technicians at legacy airlines that were uh you know keeping these things alive while you know <laughs> they didn't they didn't really have a chance to uh do much flying so right. uh it seems like uh, things are going well. So we're very proud of you guys and yeah. thank you for what you do. Absolutely. You know, my sentiments uh, mirror yours. Yep. Absolutely. But, you know, the, uh, there was a crash uh, not too long yeah. ago. You were telling me about it. You sent me a link. Um, the Indonesia crash. Uh, yeah. And, you know, what to know about the Boeing airplane. This is an uh, article from the New York Times published on the 10th of January of this year entitled Indonesia Crash 
what to know about the Boeing plane. The 737-500 that crashed near Jakarta was a 26-year-old airplane. It was a workhorse for that company without the new technology that plagued the 737 MAX. So obviously, this plane crash had nothing to do with the MAX. But the minute they hear Boeing 737 and plane crash, they're going to assume... You know, the yeah. it's it's the max, but it wasn't. Uh, and this article goes on to indicate that the uh, plane crash in Indonesia was carrying more than 60 people. Uh, and it comes at a difficult time in aviation for the, the giant Boeing, which mm-hmm. has seen its reputation battered by years of investigations over deadly crashes. While the authorities are still looking for the cause, the plane that crashed on Saturday near Jakarta in the, Indi- the Indonesian capital was a 26-year-old uh, 737-500, a workhorse model with a good safety record. The plane at the center of the Boeing crisis was a 737 MAX, a later version with faulty anti-stall software that led to two deadly crashes. Here's what you need to know about the Boeing plane in the Indonesian crash. Although it's unclear of why the plane crashed, the Swaja, Swajaya is that how you say that? Sri- I've been trying to... S- Swirjaya Air Flight? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody knows how to say that, uh, you know, send me a, a message. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to correct that. But uh, the, the Swirjaya Air Flight 182, which was traveling to the city of Pontenac uh, on the island of Borneo, took off amid a heavy monsoon season rain following a bad weather delay. It plunged more than 10,000 feet in less than a minute, according to the tracking site Flight Radar 24. Indonesia, an archaeopelago nation, archaeopelago <laughs> nation of thousands of islands, is heavily dependent on air travel. Though the country has a long history of aviation accidents, the Sri Waija Air had not had a single fatal crash since it began operations in 2003. Uh, The plane uh, that uh, lost contact shortly after takeoff from Jakarta on Saturday was a Boeing 737-500, a proven model developed, and it goes on to say that it wasn't the MAX and how it's different from the MAX. And and so... they it's were amazing how they best. worked the max into this whole article, isn't it? Because well, <laughs> it just coincidentally happens to be um, a seven thirty seven, and yeah. the max just got ungrounded. So, yeah, I think that's what the big deal was here, and and I'll put a link in this article as well in the show notes. Was that it wasn't the max? It had nothing to do with the max. I mean, right. it, we can sit here and speculate that when you take off after a monsoon. And after taking a heavy delay for heavy rain, yeah, you know, weather is going to be a contributing factor at Could. a minimum. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we don't know what happened yet. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more answers soon as the uh, authorities over there investigate and possibly yeah. release some kind of findings here in the near future. I'd be interesting to see uh, what caused this event. But again, Focusing on it was not a max. It was just a 737-500, which has been around since, what, 1989, I think, is when they launched a 500 series. But Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Crazy stuff. Well, also, since we're on a roll here, let's talk about the man that lived at Chicago O'Hare's airport for three months 
before he was arrested. You know, I saw that movie. It's with Tom Hanks. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Well, what was the name of that movie? I forgot the name of it. Oh, geez. Uh, Tom Hanks. uh, Look it up. We're going to have to. Ah, and as soon as I see it, I'm going to be like, that's it. And it's not cast the terminal, the terminal, (laughs) the terminal. terminal, That's right. Based on a true story. It was based on a true story because uh, I guess um, this guy was traveling from uh, a country that by the time he landed was no longer a country. So they didn't recognize his entry and he was passport. Yeah. And they were kind of saying, hey, well, you know, the door's right there, but uh, you're not allowed to enter. But the door's right there. (laughs) (laughs) The guy ended up living in the airport and designing this mosaic fountain or something. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, It's actually, here it is in Wikipedia, uh, The Terminal. Uh, It's a 2004 American comedy drama starring Tom Hanks. The film is partially inspired by the true story of an 18-year stay of Maharan Karimi Nasadi in Terminal 1 of Paris's Charles de Gaulle Airport in France from 1988 to 2006. Get out. What? That's crazy. What? He lived in the airport that whole time? You know, I, you know that's a great... Maybe we can do a little oh. show on, on that guy. That's nuts. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, man. He, he did was, pretty well. He was an Iranian refugee who lived in the departure lounge of Terminal 1 at the Charles Cigar Airport uh, when, when he was hospitalized. His autobiography is published as a book called The Terminal Man in 2004. So... <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, <laughs> but let's talk about this guy here. Yes. Uh, according yeah, to uh, NBC5 Chicago... Uh, This man was a California man who told police that the coronavirus pandemic left him afraid to fly and he managed (laughs) to live at Chicago's International for three months. uh, Adita Sin, I think that's how you say that, S-I-N-G-H, 36 years old, is charged with felony criminal trespass to a restricted area of an airport and misdemeanor theft after he was arrested Saturday at a court hearing on Sunday. The judge ruled that the Orange California man could be released if he paid a $1,000 fine, but he said that Sinhe was prohibited from setting foot in the airport again. As of Monday morning, he remained in the Cook County Jail. And here is (laughs) NBC5 Chicago's report. Failure of security at O'Hare International Airport. We've learned a man had been living there for months undetected. He was arrested over the weekend, but investigators say his stay began in October. NBC5's Lisa Chavarria joins us live from O'Hare this morning. And Lisa, do we know how security was able to miss this man? Well, what we're being told by police, Kate, is that this man was able to get a hold of one of the airport airport employees' IDs. So when people would ask who he was, he would show this ID, and he was able to evade security for three months. That's how long get he was out. here at O'Hare Airport. He made uh, Terminal 2 his makeshift home. Now, police say 36-year-old Udita Singh came to O'Hare from California back in October. He was confronted by two United Airlines employees who called police on Saturday. Once he was caught, he told police he was too scared to fly back because of the coronavirus. He said he survived in the terminal, mostly with the help of other passengers who gave him food. 
there's no real risk to public safety here. I think that's the good news. I think it just shows how we have a multi-layered security system and, and different parts may not talk to each other, may not question each other. We're hearing that same sort of message coming from the Chicago, Chicago Department of Aviation, who issued a statement saying, quote, while this incident remains under investigation, we have been able to determine that this gentleman did not pose a security risk to the airport or to the traveling public. Now, he's facing at least one felony charge for being in an unauthorized portion of the airport. Chicago police at this point still investigating how it got to this point. But again, two United Airlines employees were the ones that spotted him, were able to hang on to him until police arrive to make that arrest. Wow. I think the, I think the police and the, the Chicago the aviation. Oh, oh well, my goodness. Well, I he think in the secure area. You know what I think is maybe something might be wrong with him. Uh, yeah. Like maybe there's yeah. some kind of mental health issue yeah. there. So they're not throwing the book at him because it, it sounds to me like yeah, he was living in an airport and a sane person doesn't do that. <laughs> well, you know, also, I mean, this is what I'm going to just throw this out there is he's probably going to be on the no fly list. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Why would you be on the no fly list? Because you're a security threat. <laughs> so totally contradicting the right. words of <laughs> the police. Yeah, definitely. There's a security threat here when you yeah, have stolen no. the badge of an employee in order to gain access to areas of the airport. I mean, any anybody that did that would find themselves in federal court, federal prison, and the book would be thrown at them because that's a huge security threat. One, how did you get to Chicago in the first place? Well, he flew in. Right. And Why? then he was afraid to fly back out. Who knows what his final okay. destination okay. was? Okay. Hello, my name's so-and-so. I need help. I'm stuck. I'm afraid to fly. Yeah. Can I get a bus ticket? Yeah. Like I said, obviously there's something more going on and we wish, we wish him, <laughs> you know, that he gets yeah. the help that he needs. And I'm assuming here because... You know, I don't know the details. They didn't report on the details other than the fact yeah. that he was living there for three months. But I mean, well, even walking through LAX, I see some pretty savory characters and I'm thinking, yeah. you look like a homeless person, sir. Uh, yeah. Or you have a airline ticket to go somewhere. I mean, they, for all I know, they could be an employee that's just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I seriously <laughs> honestly hope he's OK. And there's. You know, he gets the help that he needs and he can, if he has a family, gets back to his family. But yeah, just, yeah, just, it's just blows my mind that something like this could happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm in an airport for a few hours and I start to go stir crazy. <laughs> right. right. I can't even get out of there with crew scheduling calling me from, you know, five states away. They know exactly where I'm at. I mean, how did people not know this guy's here? <laughs> right. Right. Oh my God. Jeez. Crazy. Crazy. Unbelievable. Well, in, he had to have ID and all that stuff too. I mean, he had to yeah. fly to fly into there. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering right. how these tickets are being purchased. I think, you know, they get these stimulus and they go, Oh, $40 ticket. I'm going to Vegas. And they, True. you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. Uh, we'll have more on what the FAA is adopting in terms of stricter, unruly passenger policies right after the break.
one niner five niner Zulu. Wind zero two zero at two seven. Deep gusts three five. Visibility one zero. Sky condition clear. Temperature one six Celsius. Dew point minus zero niner Celsius. Altimeter two niner seven seven. Remarks. Density altitude one thousand five hundred. And uh. we're back. Well, I've got to say, Rob, it's been interesting to hear about the 737 MAX training, uh, some of the incidents that have happened uh, out there on the flight line. And, you know, thank God that we have had one of the safest runs in aviation history on the United Not States, on, the, on United yep. States soil. We have had, you know, a really good track record of safety. And I really do yeah. believe that that I think primarily is in part to the training that we receive on a regular basis once we make it to a part 121 carrier. I mean, the training for commercial flying, the training even for a private pilot license, it, it only gets a little bit more developed and stricter as time goes on. And I've got to say, I'm, I'm proud to be a pilot in the United States. I think some of the best training that that you can get in any profession is revolving around aviation. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, uh, it's incredible. Like you said that, um, you know, with everything that's going on that, um, you know, we've managed to be, you know, incredibly safe. Um, you know, our industry as a whole is under a lot of pressure right now. Um, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, like you and I, uh, are, have been affected with our schedules. So we're not getting the frequency or the recency of experience that we're normally used to. Um, so, uh, there are some, you know, you can get, put yourself into some situations where you get back in the cockpit and some guys that wouldn't have flown for close to two months, almost three months, which is perfectly legal, you know, as long as they have their landings and, you know, they, they're qualified and everything, but you know, it's a depreciable skill, you know, so you yeah. uh, get back in the airplane, uh, there's going to be some, uh, you know, refamiliarization going on <laughs> with the airplane. And, uh, it's like riding a bike, Rob. Yeah, it sure <laughs> is. It sure is. It's just that, uh, everything else isn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, so it, it's amazing that, um, we haven't had very many, uh, problems, but I think, uh, what we're getting into is, uh, the new FAA, what is it called? The, uh, the, yeah, the stricter, uh, unruly passenger policy. Yeah. The unru unruly passenger policy. Yeah. Those incidents have gone up in, in light of all the, you know, political, um, unrest that's been going mm -hmm. on with the, uh, uh, change of administration going on in, in Washington. Um, and the, uh, aviation industry is, is taking it very seriously and they're putting their making sure that everybody in travel that travels knows that um the industry will not tolerate any unruliness yeah. in the air um so have uh, you had any experiences in the past few weeks uh have you been flying at all i've been flying a little bit and i haven't had anything that made it to the cockpit um that you know, the flight attendants are, are the, you know, obviously the frontline 
um, workers and on, on, on our, on our flights and they have to deal with, you know, they're, they're providing the service to the passengers. But one of the things that our passengers are required to do is to continuously wear their face mask, uh, face coverings Mm -hmm. (laughs) on them during the entire flight. And that's from the time they obviously walk into the airport, but more importantly, in the time they walk into the airplane until they um, exit the airplane. So if a passenger, you know, just has the mask down over their mouth and it's not covering their nose, um, I've seen them politely ask them to, uh, you know, readjust their mask and put it back over their nose. And, you know, they'll tell you four or five, six times, as long as it's, you know, not a big deal. Um, But there's some passengers that I heard that are a little more, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you call it reluctant, but a little more. uh, They got a lot uh, of pushback. Yeah. We got a lot of pushback. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that our, 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 uh, our cabin crew are, are, are taught to uh, deescalate those issues and just say, Hey, you know, we need you to keep your coverings on, but there's at some point, some passengers are going to have problems. So I think our, our crews are doing a good job of, of keeping that back there and, and nothing's really making it up front. But I have heard of some instances where um, passengers had to be removed or um, be threatened to go back to the gate. Kind of like your mom saying, I will pull this car over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. The last uh, podcast we did was uh, actually a while ago. It was on uh, January 3rd, the recording date, yeah. and it wasn't published until days later. I was on a layover in San Francisco on the 7th uh, is when I was able to finally get time to edit the podcast and get uh-huh. it published. And, and uh, speaking of that, um, for those that listen to the last episode, I, as podcast editing goes, I had everything squared away. At least I thought I did. And somewhere around 8 PM, uh, it was an early day for me. So somewhere around 8 PM at the hotel in San Francisco, I was able to upload the audio and somewhere in the transfer, the sync uh, was messed up. And I don't know if Rob, you, you I caught witnessed it. it did yeah, you? I yeah. It. So the, yeah. the first part of the podcast, the, I, I usually divided in, in two wave files or two MP3 files. And so the first part, the sync was off and it was, it was just terrible. But when I checked it before I ripped it, it was fine. And somewhere I must've accidentally clicked something and the entire track got moved like a second before so when we were talking the sync was off and i didn't realize this and so i uploaded it and was like okay you know what it's done i went to bed the next morning i got up get ready for you know the day to get going because i had uh, two legs that day and as i just press play to see what's going on i saw that wow we got a lot of people listening that's great and I started listening to it and I went, wait a minute, uh, 10 seconds into it. I was like, what? No, no, <laughs> this is not right. <laughs> so what I had to do, I, I actually had enough time and I opened up the laptop and I, I went to the software and I, I fixed it and I listened to it and I went, okay, okay, I fixed it. So I had to re-rip a new MP3, upload that to the host yep. site that I use um, and then it was a matter of just giving it some time for all the other players to upload the new version. And man, I had the hardest time because once you upload it to your device, your phone or your tablet or whatever you're listening to, um, it basically downloads it. So it Mm -hmm. downloaded 
the 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 bad one, the one that was out of right. sync. And and then you have to undownload it or delete the download. Right. And then wait for the new version, the one fixed version. Airwaves. Yeah. And so I felt so bad. So I, I just have yeah. to apologize hey. to all the listeners out there. It's so annoying when you know, we had some great content and it just didn't sync up Listen, right. Dude, you're you're only human. We forgive you. Oh, you know, God. whatever <laughs> you know, whatever you're doing with this podcast, uh, first of all, not bad for an airline pilot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, you know, you're What's doing this one do? oh, crap. hot job, dude. <laughs> well, I thank mean, you. As you can tell, I, uh, I contribute exactly zero to everything that you're doing over there because no, not at all. I don't have a clue how all stuff works. Yeah, so. the, the content is what is most important. And, you know, and I, I really am proud of yeah. all these little things you know, modifications I, I make here in my little studio, which, which if you go to the website, you know, the aviator, Tony.com website, uh, you can look at the aviator sound studios tab and you can see the equipment that I've slowly started to build and amass. And yeah. a lot of it's, a lot of it's hand-me-down stuff or pawn shop stuff that I was able to pick up for <laughs> pretty cheap. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've been, I'm fortunate that I know how to like build desks and stuff. So now I've got, I even have a second monitor now that I, as you can yeah, see, I'm cool. looking kind of up through the camera and, and yeah, instead of down at the computer. And, and so, oh, this has just been a blast to do. And so I'm very yeah. grateful that, that I have cool. all you guys listening and guys and gals out there. I do appreciate you know, all the kind comments and reviews. So we love the reviews um, because that helps us with our standing. And so, so the people that maybe not are interested in aviation that might be surfing for a podcast, you know, the more reviews we get, the the higher up we are on the search bar and, and yeah, so it all helps. Uh, I do appreciate uh, your patience with that last audio fix. If you didn't hear it, it's because you downloaded it after <laughs> I fixed it. And Hey, uh, thank you for that. But uh, since that, I've only flown one trip. It was a two day trip. It was a San Francisco layover, as I mentioned, but it was LA to Phoenix, Phoenix, San Fran. And I was in the city. I actually stayed uh, at a hotel kind of close to the Tenderloin district, which is a little closer than I usually <laughs> like to hang out and spend the night, but it's not, it was not a far walk. Um, and I was able to, with my captain and a first officer, from another crew that we were all at the we were all at the curb at the same time this first officer was my captain back at the sandpiper yeah yeah so a sandpiper so i look i recognized it i'm like yeah we've flown together and i and we kind of like oh yeah and the captain knew him because he they had flown together many many years and and Uh so the three of us all were like uh let's we gotta eat let's go socially distance and eat somewhere and in (laughs) california you can't there's no outdoor Ugh. seating nothing you can only pick I up to go bad for you guys man <laughs> so we're like well what are we gonna do so we walked down we found a deli and we bought sandwiches so we ate some sandwiches um <laughs> and we took it down to the wharf and they have this cool. uh, little beach there by the marine uh, museum there at, in fisherman's wharf area on the west mm-hmm. side of the fisherman's wharf area and so these bleachers are they're big concrete steps that lead to the ocean and you can sit there and watch the people swimming in the harbor they have some buoys out there and people actually oh, get into the water and stuff yeah 
and it cool. was it it wasn't a cold day it was actually unusually warm it was probably in the mid 70s that day how so cold do you think the water was the water must have been in the 60s that's there's no <laughs> doubt about that i've been in that bay <laughs> many I times say, i just went fishing yes yesterday or sunday and I put my hand in the water here in the lake in Texas. Yeah. It was 47 degrees. Oh, my Dude, God. My hand almost, they, my fingers almost turned black like that. I was yeah. Like, well, some Plus some bike. of them had the whole wetsuit okay. get up. But there imagine. were some, especially some of the older uh, crowd, they were just doing the polar plunge, man. They're out there in their, <laughs> in their tarantara speedos. And, you know, they're out there and they're out there swimming laps. What do you and mean? The, the banana hammock? The banana hammock. Yeah. The, the bedazzled <laughs> banana hammock with the uh, swim cap that matches, you know, and they come out and big dude, you know, it's like silver hair. Be like, hey, how you doing? And then they dry off like they're showing off. Like, yeah. <laughs> Water cold, is there? <laughs> is it a bit cold out there for you? <laughs> oh, so, no. Man, so we ate funny. there and then we got to walk down a Ghirardelli Square. You could see that it's cold, you mean? No, I, I, I wasn't looking at it. They told me. <laughs> so, but we go down to Ghirardelli Square, and, you know, of course, you know, you have this awesome San Francisco sourdough sandwiches, and, yeah, you know, you cool. go down to Ghirardelli Square, and you, they actually had, the parlor wasn't open where you sit down and, and have the ice cream, but their little to-go store was, and, you know, they would let so many people in the store at a time, and you could order from their their little to-go ice cream bar cool. and so we each you know got an ice cream and sat there and went walking in the park there where nobody was around and had our ice creams and then when we we're ready we masked back up and walked back to the hotel and so it was actually a pretty cool layover and i got to cool. catch up with you know some pilots that i had flown with uh years past nice. and, and a new captain that i hadn't flown with yet who was a really cool guy and we got to watch the Polar Bear Club uh, dip their toes in the water there in the frigid bay. So that's pretty cool. Great overnight. What yeah, was interesting good. about that trip, though, is the next day on the way back, my flight attendant crew was telling us how they were on a flight from DCA to Phoenix. And they 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 were going to turn around and divert. Yeah. And go wow. because it was on the 7th. Okay. And we know that the Capitol was stormed on the 6th of January. Mm. So on the, on the 7th of January, uh, a lot of people were leaving DC and uh, flying out. And well, it wasn't the flight that they were chanting USA, USA. And the captain made the PA that one made, uh, the news <laughs> over at, uh, our sister company there at American airlines. Uh, captain did a great job. Said, you guys need to settle down, follow flight attendant instructions. The truth is that they were chanting to the point where you couldn't hear yourself talk. They couldn't hear flight attendants, give them directions saying you need to calm down. You need to, you know, stop chanting. Yeah, that's unsafe. Uh, there were more sure. than a dozen people that were refusing to wear a face mask on board an aircraft. As you know, yeah. uh, we can divert and land and have them arrested and for violation of the FARs. And yep. in the past, flight attendants telling these stories, because as you said, they're frontline workers for us. They're the ones that are in the public eye. Yep. They're the ones in close contact with our customers over at Legacy Airlines. And they're the ones that get frustrated because so an airplane might divert because of an unruly passenger and okay, they get arrested, but you know, they get released on bail the next day. You never hear about fines being happens. imposed or any of this stuff. But recently the FAA on January 13th had a press release and a 
a, a change in the policy, a temporary change in the policy to handle this such a thing, mm-hmm. to handle this sort of thing. Um, and in the press release, and I'll put a link in the show notes from the Federal Aviation Administration, they adopt stricter unruly passenger policies. Dated January 13th of 2021 uh, from Washington, FAA Administrator Steve Dickinson today signed an order directing a stricter legal enforcement policy against unruly airline passengers in the wake of recent and troubling events. The FAA has seen a disturbing increase in incidents where airline passengers have disrupted flights with threatening or violent behavior. These incidents have stemmed from both passengers' refusals to wear masks and from recent violence at the U.S. Capitol. Flying is the safest mode of transportation, and I signed this order to keep it that way, Administrator Dickinson said. Historically, the agency has addressed unruly passenger incidents using a variety of methods, ranging from warnings and counseling to civil penalties. Effective immediately, however, the FAA will not address these cases with warnings or counseling. The agency will pursue legal enforcement action against any passenger who assaults, threatens, intimidates, or interferes with airline crew members. This policy will be in effect through March 30th of 2021. My response? Why only through March 30th of 2021? Seriously? This should go on at least for a year. Oh, this should be a a continuous standing clause. I mean, why even put it out there? I mean, that's something that we would expect everybody to comply with no matter what. You know, I mean, from 20 years ago through 20, you know, through uh, through the future. Yeah. Well, they go on to say that passengers who interfere with physically assault or threaten to physically assault aircraft crew or anyone else on the aircraft face stiff penalties, including fines up to. $35,000 and imprisonment. This dangerous behavior can distract, disrupt, and threaten crew members' safety functions. The FAA has initiated more than 1,300 enforcement actions against unruly passengers during the last 10 years, including recent cases for allegedly interfering with and assaulting flight attendants who have instructed them to wear a face mask. While the FAA does not have regulatory authority over aviation security or no-fly list, the agency works closely with federal law enforcement and national security partners on any reported security threats that may impact aviation safety. So my hat's off to Steve Dickinson. And, you know, did you know that he's the FAA administrator? I never really thought about it. I think he's the acting administrator. Yeah, I guess he is the uh, administrator now because I'm. Anyway, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. And there's a video. Uh, That's good. There's a video linked to this. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for this press release. Um, But the the actual national policy, FAA compliance and enforcement program, I'll put a link to that, too. It's order twenty one fifty decimal three Charlie. And it's a change number four, effective one thirteen of 2021. So it's in effect right now. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it goes into detail. It's signed by the administrator there. And it goes into detail about what action can take place. Uh, so basically, no more yeah. warnings. No more warnings. Yep. And we do have the, uh, the change of administration coming up here in, what, two days? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think... Uh, 
any time around those days, you know, it's the 20th is probably when we're going to see a lot of, um, hopefully, you know, everybody's going to behave, but if anything, it would happen around the next two days. And hopefully these guys, you know, will stand by their policy. Um, you know, we know the company will stand by us. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's for sure. And our, our CEO even mentioned it in a recent, um, conversation with, uh, with its, with with the employees that, you know, we need to do whatever we have to do to control, you know, maintain control of the aircraft and command the aircraft. So, um, you know, they, they give us that, that's at our discretion. Um, but you know, from a federal level, you know, that the, uh, it's nice to see that there's some kind of, um, enforcement that is, uh, going to be in place to back up, you know, everything that's going on. So, yeah, the the main thing is, you know, you're, you're in a confined space in a pressurized tube, six miles over the surface of the earth, flying at over 500 miles an hour. The last thing we need is someone who's disrupting everyone else, uh, causing concerns, safety concerns, that kind of behavior should never be tolerated. Um, And I do understand sometimes you have uh, airline employees that are fed up that have just been dealing with this, especially since the pandemic began, uh, you know, with these low fares or 20% less costing fares than they were just a year ago, simply because yeah. of the demand. It's almost being cheaper low. to fly an airplane than take a bus. It really is. I mean, it really is bus or train. So we've, we've yeah. seen this increase in incidences happening. We've talked about them here on the show as much as we can without, you know, divulging too much uh, information that might be sensitive or, or that we shouldn't be, you know, too detailed with, but we have explained a little bit about some of the incidences that have happened. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, for the most part, most of our passengers and employees just will just want to have a comfortable, no drama. You know flight. how to fix this, Tony? Hmm. I got a perfect solution. Oh, let's and I'm it. being serious. I'm being serious. Let's make not only in addition to wearing the face coverings, everybody has to wear a dog shock collar. There you go. And anytime you you pull that mask down. We're just going to hit the butt. You're what? 15, Charlie. Hey, give him a buzz at 15, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been, I've and been advocating that our finger. We've, I've been advocating that flight attendants get tasers, you know, and they can walk around Absolutely. and go seatbelt uh, or turn your phone off. Uh, just, yeah, just, I'll be off the phone in a second. You know, shut up, bitch. I'm like what? <laughs> oh, I'm I just sorry. peed myself. Okay? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that's a shocker. Now, the company is really good about, um, yeah. you know, standing behind us. Like, as you mentioned, uh, recently they sent out an email in regards to the inauguration security preparations, uh, mandatory crew uh, briefings, the new PAs that captains are now required to make over here at Legacy Airlines. Uh, I won't go into the details, but there's some new PAs coming out, uh, enforcing and uh, basically enforcing the fact that, hey, if you're not going to comply, we're just going to, we're not even going to question it. We're not going to give you a benefit of the doubt. We're just going to divert. We'll let the authorities handle it, the situation, and then you can deal with the FAA penalties, for which there is no more warning. It's just going to be an immediate fine and, and possibly jail yep. time. So uh, it's some pretty serious stuff. Uh, also, uh, flight crews will no longer be staying 
at some of the layover destinations that happen to be around government buildings or capital, uh, downtown capital areas. So even flight crews have been preemptively relocated as to uh, not be in a place where potentially there might be some civil unrest. Now, personally, I think it's going to be kind of a tumbleweed blowing past the parade ghost town event. (laughs) I don't think that the uprising is going to be there because of the national guard deployment and all this, all these precautions. Um, Also no alcohol will be served on particular flights from the Northeast uh, going in and out of uh, those areas uh, simply to help minimize the potential for unrest because alcohol sure does like to add fuel to the fire and those yeah it sure does yeah. yep and i you may have mentioned it but i was a little distracted but i know that legacy airline crews have also been relocated from some of the uh, downtown hotels yes i did where they feel okay sorry yeah. <laughs> i heard you but i wasn't listening <laughs> I, I, I see your lips <laughs> moving but all i hear is wah, 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 wah. Yeah, I must have had a technical difficulty over here but <laughs> yeah, yeah cool, my internet man. was bad i was like yeah <laughs> blocked blocked <laughs> say again blocked so i actually uh yeah so that was the only flying i did uh we've talked about this new fa enforcement policy i applaud it mm-hmm. i you know I, and i don't know any pilot here on the line at legacy or any of the other carriers that i have uh, friends that that uh have said anything other than great finally it's about time i looked into it a little bit further uh, as we were sitting here talking and not only is it a $35,000 fine potentially up to and including 20 years in prison? Yeah. So depending if you get on, on a flight, crime is. yeah, depending on the severity, but if you get on a flight and you assault someone, you yeah. know that, especially now. Yeah. 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 Yep. So don't do it. Or probably damage the airplane in a way that you probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Or walk out on the wing while it's taxiing and jump off the winglet. No. That has happened. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Crazy. we've been we've been getting a lot of positive feedback on the episode we did when we lost a legend in aviation. Yep. The Chuck Yeager uh, mm-hmm. the the memorial we did to Chuck Yeager. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed doing it because it was a little bit of homework for all of us. You know, we got to yeah. learn a lot and, um, there's a YouTube video out there with, with some pictures that I, uh, that I have borrowed from the internet to help, you know, get the word out about this great aviator. Um, but I wanted to talk about another great aviator that I didn't even know existed until very recently. And this is how I found it. I follow some aviation pages, obviously, on the socials and on one of my social media platforms, I got a ding and it was not even something I followed. It was one of those sponsored uh, like ad, but it was about mm-hmm. World War II. It was a World War II page and it had a photo of a, a very uh, classic looking female pilot with the whole goggles and the leather helmet. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool you don't see a female pilot from the world war ii era very often i mean i know that female aviators were out there at the time but you don't really see that and i i took note and i clicked on the link found out that cornelia clark ford was a united states aviator who became famous for being 
uh, part of two aviation-related events. The first occurred while conducting a civilian training flight at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, when mm. she was the first United States pilot to encounter the Japanese air fleet during the attack on Pearl Harbor. She and her student narrowly escaped a mid-air collision with the Japanese aircraft and a scrafing attack after making an emergency landing. The following year, Fort became a second member of what was to become the Women Air Force Service Pilots, or WASP. Cornelia was working as a WASP ferry pilot on the 21st of March, 1943, when she became the first female pilot in American history to die on active duty. She was involved in a mid-air collision and crashed 10 miles south of Merkel, Texas in Mulberry Canyon, Texas. What was interesting about that Pearl Harbor attack is that while she was working as a civilian pilot instructor at Pearl Harbor, Cornelia Fort inadvertently became one of the first witnesses to the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor that brought the United States into World War II. Fort was in the air near Pearl Harbor teaching takeoff and landings to a student pilot in an interstate cadet monoplane. Hers and a few other civilian aircraft were the only U.S. planes in the air near the harbor at that time. Fort saw a military airplane flying directly towards her and swiftly grabbed the controls from her student, I'm sure she said, my aircraft, to pull up <laughs> over the oncoming craft. It was then she saw the rising sun insignia on the wing. Within moments, she saw billows of black smoke coming from Pearl Harbor and bombers flying in. She quickly landed the plane at John Rogers Civilian Airport near the mouth of Pearl Harbor. The pursuing Zero scraped her plane and the runaway as she and her student ran for cover. The airport manager was killed and two other civilian planes did not return that morning. With all the civilian flights grounded in Hawaii, Fort returned to the mainland in early 1942. She made a short movie promoting war bonds that was successful and led to speaking engagements. Later that year, Nancy Love recruited her to serve in the newly established Women's Auxiliary Ferrying Squadron, precursor to the Women's Air Force Service Pilots, otherwise known as WASP. She was the second woman accepted into the service. The WAFs ferried military airplanes to bases within the United States. Stationed at the 6th Ferry Group base in Long Beach, California, Cornelia Fort became the first WAFs fatality on March 21st, 1943, while flying in formation en route from Long Beach to Love Field in Dallas. The left wing of her BT-13 was struck by the landing gear of Flight Officer Frank Stame Jr.'s plane. Stame had been flying too close to Fort's plane, approaching her and then pulling back. On one of the close passes, the collision took place, breaking off the tip of her wing and six feet of leading edge. He was able to control his plane, but Fort went into an irreversible dive and crashed. The accident occurred 10 miles south of Merkel, Texas in Mulberry Canyon, Texas. At the time of the accident, Cornelia Fort was one of the most accomplished pilots of the WASPs. The footnotes of her grave is inscribed, killed in the service of her country. Cornelia Fort was portrayed in the film Tora, Tora, Tora by actress Jean Marie 
Jeff Donnell. And Cornelia Fort Air Park in East Nashville is named after her. You know, it's pretty interesting that she did all this and she died in 1943 at the age of 24. 24 years old and she was flying military, ferrying military airplanes around. I mean, who wouldn't kill for an opportunity like that, right? I tell you what, man, there's not that many 24-year-olds, never mind female 24-year-olds back in that day that uh, ever achieved as much as she did at the time. I mean, cripes. I remember when I was 24 years old, I barely made it out of the house. I mean, it, I didn't join the military till I was, uh, yeah, actually 23, 24-year-olds myself. So, yeah. um, and she was already flying airplanes and an instructor and that's incredible. That's I didn't very, even set uh, foot um, in my first airplane until I was, what, 20, <laughs> well, about 24, 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a little over. But yeah, I mean, just an incredible uh, story. I'm really glad that I saw that and clicked on it. And, and yep. I just thought it'd be great to talk about it here. You know, we've mentioned yeah. the, the Women Air Force Service pilots or the WASPs. Um, it was a civilian women's pilot organization whose members were United States federal civil service service employees. Uh, members of WASP became trained pilots who tested aircraft. They ferried aircraft and trained other pilots. Their purpose was to free male pilots for combat roles during World War II, despite various members of the armed forces being involved in the creation of the program. The WASP and its members had no military standing. WASP was preceded by the Women's Flying Training Detachment, or WFTD, and the Women's Auxiliary Fairing Squadron, or WAFS, WAFS, as we mentioned earlier. Both were organized separately in September of 1942. They were pioneering organizations of civilian women pilots who were attached to the United States Army Air Forces to fly military aircraft during World War II. On August 5, 1943, the WFT and the WAFS merged to create the WASP organization. The arrangement with the U.S. Air Forces ended on December 20, 1944. During its period of operation, each member's service had freed a male pilot for military combat or other duties. They flew over 60 million miles, transported every type of military aircraft, towed targets for live anti-aircraft gun practice, simulated strafing missions, and transported cargo. 38 WASP members lost their lives, and one disappeared while on a ferry mission. Her fate is still unknown. In 1977, for their World War II service, the members were granted veteran status, and in 2009, awarded the Congressional Gold Medal pretty badass if you ask me shit hot man shit hot that's awesome very cool and in the future i would really like to start focusing more on getting to know a little bit more about the journeys of female aviators out there if you're a female aviator out there listening to the squawk ident podcast and you've got a story to tell we would love to interview you and get your journey out there uh, to inspire all the exactly. other aviators out there, male, female, yep. and 
LGBTQ plus alike. We're all, once you yep. have a wing pinned on your shirt, you're a pilot. You're yep. one of us. Yep. And, and we Join encourage yeah, you to reach group. out. Speaking of that, yeah. um, I do want to congratulate a uh, Squawk Ident listener. He's a faithful listener. Um, he is a good buddy. Uh, he's a son of a good buddy of mine. Um, he's also serving in the United States Air Force. And I believe he's a staff sergeant now, but forgive me if he's either a staff sergeant or a senior airman. But Ethan Brown, congratulations on your private pilot certificate. Just got that last Wednesday, I believe. And uh, we chatted a little bit on 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 the via text messages. And um, look, man, you're welcome to the group. Uh, you know, you're one of us and uh, your future is, uh, you know, you got a big future ahead of us. Aim high. And uh, I think he's part of the cadet program, too. So he might be oh, joining excellent. us in the cockpit here in a few short uh, short future. So oh, yeah, congratulations. Yes. That's wonderful. Cool. I mean, and, you yeah. know, and if you're wherever you are in your journey, if you're just starting out, thinking about starting out or you're just getting ready to become a CFI, let us know. We'd love to share your journey here on the show. All you got to do is send us a message. And the best way to do that is through our website at aviatortony.com. That's Alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo, Tango, Oscar, November, Yankee.com. There you can find out all about our podcast. You can contribute to the show either with your time, your talent, or your treasure. And I'm borrowing that from another podcast. A lot of podcasters out there kind of heard that one, but it's a it's great. It's a great way to do podcasts. Um, yeah. If you can if you can send us any kind of financial, great. If you can't, don't worry about it. Send us a, a review. Send us an audio file. You can do that. You can you can record something on your phone and just email it to us. And we'd love to hear it. If you don't, if you want it played, we'll play it. If you don't, let us know. We won't. But you know show topics that you'd like us to cover we're here uh rob anything else before we kind of wrap it up today no man it's been fun i really appreciate it um i guess it's been two weeks right yep yeah it's been it's uh, been a little bit of a break yeah yeah so it's good to get back and uh put one of these on on, you don't say that anymore you can't say you put it on tape um well (laughs) put one of these down Put this on down on virtual tape and get one out into the socials and uh, yeah. it's been good chatting with you. I mean, I've been busy too and I know you have and yeah. um, so it's good to get back in here. Too bad Roger couldn't join us, but um, yeah, he had like a four legger today. Uh, we talked to yeah. him earlier in the week and he's like, oh man, I can't. And you know what? I actually was spending the reason why it's been two weeks and we actually were thinking about recording one oh, last right. week was yeah. I was actually at Roger's house uh, yeah. helping him out. He's been doing a lot of remodeling and we actually laid yeah. down the entire well minus the kitchen we, right? we laid down the entire ground floor tile wow yeah the flooring wow yeah so, so you did. and roger are the two hardest working sobs that i know <laughs> i mean no pilots work any harder than you two i mean i'm over here twiddling my thumbs going fishing, going fishing. And playing disc golf and <laughs> well you know you just keep marking that up on the calendar because pretty soon i'm gonna be like uh can i borrow your guest room for a week we're gonna yeah. go fishing and <laughs> And I know you keep reaching out to me when you're in Dallas. And one of these days I'm going to be free and we're going to, I'm going to come get you. And yeah. Well, we got to plan something. We got to plan a meetup. We got to plan a remote. Yeah. I mean, once the air shows start up again, I still have the trailer yeah. project that's coming underway. Um, yeah, I cool. actually, I actually started, you know, picking up my own 
remodel goals here. I got inspired <laughs> from helping Roger out and uh, yeah, I actually cool. tore all the tile out of my, my last bathroom that I have to remodel. So that's wow. underway right now and maybe oh the next boy. week. I can get that done. That's a, a new tub and shower and faucet and wow, you know geez. vanity and new new wow. fan and I got to do some electrical work and plumbing and <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I love to do it. You know, I just yeah. it, it keeps me busy, That's out good. of trouble, and and uh, I was fortunate not to have many trips this month. Uh, and next month I have a line, but I have vacation as well. So whatever I don't get done, it'll get done here soon. Um, so yeah, so it's been great and we're looking yeah, cool. forward to some pretty exciting shows here in season three of the Squawk Ident yeah, podcast, our, definitely. our official third year on the air here. We started in the, towards the end of 2019 and here we are in 2021, still going at it. Sweet. Um, so we hope that you're enjoying Squawk Ident. If you find value in the podcast, you would like to help us out and continue to grow. We encourage you to visit our website. You can uh, check out the homepage, find methods to contribute to the show, become a producer. Uh, every little bit helps. And you can also leave us audio feedback, show topic ideas. You can also view the many photos we have shared from the flight line. And under the guest book tab, you can view images that our featured guests have shared with us as well. On the socials, Facebook, Instagram, social, uh, what is that thing called? The YouTubes? Yeah, YouTube. Uh, those users can find us at Squawk Ident Podcast. And as we mentioned earlier, I do try to put at least some kind of clip from each show uh, up there that's interesting uh, and some of them are longer than others and we're just hoping that you're enjoying those as well uh, we encourage you to support the youtube channel with a like subscribe and a share it really does help out more than you know in closing i would like to say thank you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators keep the dirty side down out there be safe and take care of each other see you guys have a good one. Talk to you later, Tony. See you, Rob. Later. Peace.